Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rink Rat Report podcast. We are recording on Family Day today. Usually we release on Monday, but decided it was Family Day, didn't really have time. So, yeah, here we are, Tuesday, episode drop-in. Missed a lot last week because there was no Friday episode, just too much going on. Anyways, and the Leafs were, it was in the middle of the Leafs game, which I would have been recording. It was kind of awkward, so decided to hold off until today so today's episode better be electric anyways a lot of talk, lots to talk about lots and lots and lots to talk about obviously uh the Leafs were up against Colorado Vegas and Arizona in that time span um those the Vegas game and the Colorado game were pretty damn exciting we finally got to see uh the power play back on track 5 for 12 not too bad and in that time span only giving up what was that 7 giving up 7 power play chances over those 3 games combined and giving up 0 goals in that uh, in that uh, over those 3 games so not too too bad i mean when you're winning the special teams game i mean that's almost half the battle right there that's a really good sign so my thoughts were the Leafs were on a little bit of a run, but they were losing the special teams game slash, well, not by much, but losing the special teams game, just mashing teams five on five, I found. So to see the power play working again, like it was for those two games that it was, we'll just look at the positives here. Uh, that whole Arizona game could just be thrown in the garbage aside from the last three minutes where they really, when the net was, when their own net was empty, but when the power play is clicking, I mean, this team is gosh darn for real. So, anywho, we're going to get into some Leafs Week in Review, obviously. Uh, we're going to talk a little Austin Matthews, because obviously, uh, you know, 100th goal, not too bad. Uh, there's a reason we paid him all that money. Um, and then just into some other trade deadline looming. So we're going to talk about some some of the top guys that are looking to go um there's not i don't even know who's gonna be kind of i'll look we'll talk about that whole trade deadline thing looming right there um about some other pet peeves that i've had so some airing of grievances is going to occur in this uh in this episode but first off we're gonna obviously start with some of the trades that happen because i mean they don't seem huge but there were some, I mean, there were some headline grabbers here. So we're going to start with the most recent one. Darren Radish for Peter Holland. Uh, Peter Holland, I mean, Leaf fans know him all that well. He uh, doesn't have much skill. Um, I don't know. He's not that good. He hasn't really been playing in the NHL lately either. So uh, pretty much just brush him to the side. The one person I want to look at is Darren Radish. I know he's... Not the youngest prospect, but he, he showed well in in uh, during his time in Erie. I mean, I know that was a powerhouse offensive team, but I think this kid's got some promise. He was pretty damn good last year, and he was on an AHL contract. And, I mean, the Hawks must have seen something because they signed him to an ELC at the end of that year, which doesn't happen all that often. So... Anyways, this year, 26 points in 54 games, 8 goals, 18 assists in that uh, to make up that 26. But 
He's he's a 96-born brother of Taylor Radish, uh, Team Canada gold medalist. But he's not that bad. He's a pretty good player all around. So it, I'm kind of curious to see why. Um, the, uh, I'm I'm kind of curious as to why the Hawks would move a, a defenseman like that for pretty much a nothing forward. I mean, I don't know. You can't you can't find a Peter Holland in your own system. It almost seems sad. But anywho, I'm very curious to see what he does in uh, in Hartford. He's obviously gonna be playing right now, but a lot of opportunity. Maybe I mean this could be big for the Rangers. This is a home run swing. Uh, anyways, and yes, while I'm recording this episode, I am watching the the end of the Ottawa and Chicago game, which it's eight seven right now. Fifteen total goals. There were sixteen points in the Super Bowl. Whew, what a joke! Uh, Thomas Shabbat is just such an animal. Oh my God! I mean, Eric Carlson never left. I'm, I'm convinced. They sent someone else to... They sent a doppelganger to San Jose because Shabbat is... It looks almost identical to him. Oh, and... No, they missed. Chicago missed on that one. But anyways, yeah. An absolute star. Not a future star in this league. A blooming star right now. This guy is a star in Thomas Shabbat. So Ottawa fans, thank God you got him because... It looks like the rest of this uh, organization is crumbling. But, anywho, that's neither here nor there. Going to be moving on to the other big trade. Well, big with some parentheses around it. And that being the Anthony Stolars for Cam Talbot. Now, what I found interesting about this trade was that the fact that, obviously, Cam Talbot's veteran goaltender, he's done at the end of this year, um, but... The Flyers have Brian Elliott. So I have no idea. I mean, I, I don't know what's going on with the Elliott situation. I swear he's been condition he's on a conditioning loan with uh Lehigh Valley, then that's Philadelphia's uh AHL team. So I don't know how far he is from rehabbing back. It's kind of strange and if he comes back this season, what's gonna happen with him and Talbot in the crease. But I mean that's neither here. I mean, that's that's not a huge thing to worry about as neither of those guys have been... I mean, Elliot's been injured all year and Talbot's been caca this year. So it's not a huge concern. I mean, the big thing is Carter Hart is the guy moving forward. Now, it's going to be interesting to see what Talbot can do in the orange and white because... Orange, black and white, I guess, whatever. Because maybe this is a tryout for next year maybe he gets a contract a one-year contract serves as a backup to carter hart or even has to fill in for carter hart because i mean the uh, shine wears off we'll call it uh and his play levels off i want to say maybe cam talbot steps in i mean we've seen cam talbot play terrific so maybe we see him in philadelphia next year it's gonna be curious to see what he can do um, in this little tryout that he has with Philadelphia. Now, going the other way is Anthony Stolarz. Uh, a little surprised to see him move the other way. I mean, I kind of like Anthony Stolarz. This year's not been the greatest for him, I want to say. But, I mean, he's coming off. Last year, he didn't barely play. He played like four games because of an ankle injury. 
but the year before that was pretty good. Got a call up to the NHL, played pretty steadily, pretty well in the AHL. He's a big guy. He's like six foot six. Um, maybe doesn't cover as much as of the net as you like. I find he kind of has holes in him, but moves decently. And I think with some playing time that maybe he develops into something here. But hopefully he's got that clause in his contract where he is a restricted free agent if he plays 10 more games in this year. But if not, he's a free agent. So it'll be interesting to see if maybe... I think the Edmonton Oilers would like to keep him around. They don't have anything immediate in the pipeline right now. I think Dylan Wells and Stuart Skinner are years away. But... It'll be interesting to see what kind of goalie he can develop in. Um, But right now, he's going to be sitting behind Koskinen. So, yeah, we'll swap with goaltenders uh, between the Oilers and Philly. And that one, uh, obviously, Brian Spooner for Sam Gagne. Just It's like you and your neighbor trading trash. As I've probably used that joke before, but I'm serious. Um, The other big trade... And it was big because of the circumstances around it was Merrick Mazanich. Now, as as I posted, Michael DiPietro gave up those seven goals in San Jose. Was that in San Jose? Yeah, it was. So that must have been absolutely detrimental. Oh my god. I would I would have locked myself in like a closet that next day and just not come out not like I would have destroyed all the like, forms of technology around me so that I would never have to relive that situation ever again Jesus seven goals yikes I mean I think they started they must have I didn't I wasn't watching that one I saw a five nothing one I saw five one and it was just I was like no sorry I saw three nothing I was like Jesus Jesus but Vancouver was put in a tough spot so they had to put him in a tough spot but anyway so they went out and got Merrick Mazanich who stinks but that's neither here nor there he needed immigration papers or something into Canada and they needed to get that done so quick. It was actually hilarious. They didn't know if they were going to have him and they needed him for their game in Anaheim, I think on February 13 or 14. So that was a pretty interesting situation that was going on there. They needed him in Canada, signed the papers, and then the day of the game, they, he, I think they flew him down to Anaheim and then luckily Markstrom was good to go. So they were able to back him up. He was able to back up. Zandich was able to back him up. But quite an interesting situation in terms of where they're going to be able to get him. Where are they going to have a goalie pretty much for that game? Because Markstrom was up in the air and his legal documentation was up in the air. So, yeah, Zandich stinks, but that was an interesting trade right there because of the circumstances that surrounded it. Anywho, those are the trades there. Um, some of the trades that could go on, I mean, there's a lot of talent that could, and this is realistic, guys that can get moved. I mean, there's a lot of focus right now on Stone, Stone and uh, Duchesne, obviously, because they're in Ottawa, and because they're, I mean, well, they are getting moved, but, I mean, take a look at the Rangers. The Rangers are getting younger. They got Hayes and Zuccarello on expiring deals right now. I mean, he's not an older guy, but it looks like they're going to move on from him. So, and he's having a pretty good year. And then on top of that, Kreider too. Kreider's 
up after the end of next year. I think he's a free agent, a UFA, but I think somewhat realistically, well, for sure, Hayes and Zuccarello, I think, could get moved easily. Oh, and they should get moved. I mean, this is a rebuilding team. Why would you keep those guys? But also Kreider, too, I'd watch out for. So, I mean, as we saw last year, I think another blockbuster could be coming out of uh, out of New York again. And it'll be very curious to see who it's done with. Um, it's going to be done with the Lightning because the Lightning are just an absolute cheat code. But anyways... So yeah, Ottawa and uh, Ottawa, New York, and then Columbus too is another one to watch out for for the deadline because of the Panera and Bobrovsky situation that's going on there. So, and then on top of those three teams that I've already mentioned, we got Simmons and Verlin, who are realistic, have a realistic potential to be moved as well. So a very exciting deadline right here. I think obviously you want to throw most of your focus on Stone and Duchesne because they're on that uh, that team, uh, wherever they are, that red, black, and garbage team Melnick. But I'd love to see what, I mean, I'd love to see it happen on deadline day, first of all, because we haven't had the most exciting deadline days. They're exciting to me because I was like, oh, there was a lot of minor league deals, and it was like, oh, I remember that guy, Michael Scarbosa. Yeah, he's a great player. But in the grand scheme of things and in terms of how good these players actually are, I mean, they haven't been good deadline days. They haven't been good enough. So hopefully we see all these moves happen on, on deadline day. Um, I don't think the Leafs are going to target any of these guys. I mean, Furlan and Simmons are not realistically not going to bring enough to the team for what I think they're going for at market value. So, and then obviously we can't, we're not going to be looking at, we don't have the cap space for any of the other guys I mentioned, but yeah, Stone and Duchesne is going to be a really fun watch for the next week because, I mean, it's either an extension or a trade and... So, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna try to take a stab at what they're gonna go for. Um, I think Duchesne, as we saw in his previous trade, and that was with Term on his deal, mind you. But Duchesne was literally traded for Turris. What was it again that Ottawa gave up? Ottawa ended up giving up Turris, their first round pick, and Shane Bowers. So a second round, a second line center. Uh, that they was they were able to get a, reach a deal with who had term, like a fifty to sixty second line point center, a first round pick, and one of your prospects for Matt Duchesne. Now he's putting up over a point per game right now. He's playing fantastic. So, I mean, when you look at teams that are in the running for him, uh, you take a stab at. I'm just gonna say Nashville because they're the one off the top of my head. You're going to have to be giving up. Uh, that was that team. They were in the other part of that deal too, which is funny. But if Nashville's going to be looking at even Panarin too, you're going to have to be looking to move Fabro. You're going to have to be looking to move Eli Tolvanen. 
because I don't think Nashville, it's in their plan right now to move their second line center as well. I mean, the offense is just not good enough to do so. Uh, but they'd be looking to move a guy like, I can't remember who plays second line center for them. But regardless, I think Nashville is going to be one per, one team to watch that's going to be a buyer at the deadline here because they have some cap space. They already made one move, but they have some cap space. They've made some runs. They made the finals. They just got to, they need that one extra piece to go that extra mile. And if they have either Duchesne or Penny, uh, if they have Duchesne up the middle, I mean, Johansson, Duchesne, Turris, how do you do? And then Bonino on the fourth line. And then Yarncroft somewhere, I don't know. But that's not too bad. I mean, that's a, that's a much-needed offense right there. Not bad. And then you, you throw in their back end, which is just... I mean, that, that back end is like a... That's a Summer Ray. Summer Ray? Whatever that Instagram girl. That's a Summer Ray-level back end right there. So... I mean, if Nashville buys effectively, I want to say, at the deadline, I think they could be heavy. Even though they are right now. They are a contender right now. I think they've left themselves... They put themselves in a good position. But they have the cap space. They have a couple assets they can move. It's really mortgaging their future. But they could really maybe make an impact at the deadline and then make teams crap their pants in the playoffs. So, it'll be interesting to see who goes where. I think Duchesne's going to at least be... You're going to at least be looking for a, uh, at a top prospect, like your number one prospect, a first-round pick, and a younger player that is playing on your team right now. So, yeah, that's Duchesne Stone. I mean, Stone... I was just watching that game there. He's a horrible skater, but just does everything else right. And it's just so good and doesn't pretty much just doesn't need to skate. Like, I, I mean that that may sound ridiculous, but I saw a couple plays where it was like, oh, like if he was if he was an if his skating was at where his level of being an all-star is, that he would have blown by these guys and it would have been a goal, whatever. He's a, he's a pretty shitty skater there. But just does everything. Just creates turnovers. Always has the puck. And just puts it. So it's kind of amazing to see a guy in this day and age in the NHL be not a great skater. But yet put up the numbers that he does. Both like advanced statistics and just production wise. So that was pretty incredible. But this is going to be a grade A deadline. And if it's not, then it's going to be a great A July 1st. What can I tell you? And even if, even if like the, the free agency is not great on July 1st, it's still going to be a great July 1st because it's, it's July 1st and you're going to be hydrated. Anywho, moving on. Let's go to the Leafs week in review. Uh, starting off with that Avalanche game. So I complained last off podcast about that special teams, but our power play, I don't know how garbage it was. Well, they didn't actually change the power play itself, but they changed the, the way that it was configured. They really did focus more down low, it seemed, and putting Tavares down low where it really made him a threat. And even you saw this in the Rangers game, but it made him a threat where he could try to 
drive the front of the net and jam it in there or even then make a play and put it up uh, to either Matthews or Kadri. And we saw that a couple times and it was very successful. So an interesting move right there by the Leafs and their special teams to kind of make that adjustment there. And I mean, Colorado really put themselves behind the eight ball, eight ball, uh, just taking those penalties in general. But I mean, three straight goals in the second period just ended this game. So that was that's the the skinny pretty much on this game. But yeah, another great job of the Leafs uh, drawing penalties. I mean, Colorado, they, you're not. It, this week showed that you're not going to beat the Leafs. I mean, the, if you can't keep up with the Leafs, you're going to end up taking penalties and you're gonna just going to end up burying your own team. So, my two cents on that game. Other things that I liked in this game, uh, Andreas Janssen finally playing on the third line there. Uh We'd seen him a lot on the fourth line. We saw him up and down with the third line a little bit here and there. I don't know if it was like he was staying on too long afterwards, but finally got to see him on the third line there. I know he's out with an injury right now. It's very unfortunate, but this is a big, uh, this time right now is a big try. Uh, we'll call it a tryout for Connor Brown. I mean, because if he doesn't, if he doesn't show incredibly well in this time when Janssen's out he's never gonna see offensive line mates pretty much anymore well he shouldn't in my opinion and we'll forget this tryout he shouldn't anyways he's not that good but anyways yeah Colorado game very good I mean played pretty awesome I mean there's that second period just really was the real turning point to this game there was that four-minute penalty on JT Comfer, and even the penalty before that, uh, where they scored on, that just, but especially that, sorry, it was just that four-minute penalty by Comfer, I think, that they scored on. My apologies, yeah, but incredible how one play like that just absolutely turned the game upside down. But, anywho, there wasn't much after that. I mean, the two goals that happened after that, and, like, Colorado was pressing a lot more after that fifth goal, but I mean, they were down five. It was 5 2. I mean, what are you going to do? Uh, 5 2 against the Leafs is 5 2 against a team like this is just not something you recover from. But, anyways, in this game, just my top thing was the power play. Casperi uh, Kapanen also played pretty well. Two goals in this one, and really did set the tone with Matthews uh he had a chance right off the bat uh in this one he got stopped on a breakaway and then scored on a breakaway where uh, Matthews sent a beautiful saucer pass right up to him he caught it in his, it was like a receiver quarterback player caught it right in it like he, he caught it put it down breakaway buries and then buried later on the power play too so yeah, my key guys in this game were definitely Matthews, Kadri. I mean, Matthews, Kapanen. And then I thought Nylander, Kadri uh, played very well in this one as well. But over these three games, 
that Nylander Kadri uh called chemistry. Yeah, that's the word I wrote that chemistry really flourished and they look really good together. So but then again, I mean Nylander looked really good with Matthews. So is it just Nylander or is it this specific connection in in general? Who knows? Who knows? Anywho, moving on to this Vegas game. Uh, this was another, this is almost like a deja vu for the Leafs opponent in terms of they took way too many penalties. They actually took the same amount of penalties as the uh, as the Avalanche did and only got three power play chances just like the Avalanche did. But in this one, it was a little different in the sense that the Golden Knights got three fantastic opportunities on the PK. I mean, that was really surprising. Even in that Coyotes game, the Leafs gave up quite a few chances off of um, blue line slash top of the circles, giveaways, weak shots that were turned into blocks that were then moved up ice. Uh, That was kind of scary there because it was early in the game. Josh Archibald almost did it with the Coyotes, but three opportunities from the Golden Knights in that one from I think it was Riley Smith, Cody Eakin and the other one somewhere in this notes. I want to guess it was William Carlson, but yeah, that was kind of concerning in this one. That almost changed the game there too, but anywho, thank God it didn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there was a couple times in this game too that where the momentum was switch- switching back and forth. Um, I know the Leafs really did separate from the uh, the the Golden Knights in this one from the power with the power play, but the Golden Knights really did hang in there. And I mean, they took the lead at one point, they tied it up, and when they tied it up in that third period, there, it was. I know I watched this game. I watched this game today, and it was on Thursday. But you really got the feeling that I mean, they're on home ice. They. I mean, that goal was pretty decent, but the crowd was roaring. The crowd was behind them, too. It seemed like the momentum was really, really shifting in their direction. And then the Leafs just, bam, three goals. One shorthanded, too. So, I think this team's speed is just, and talent. I mean, really just shows, like, snip snap and they're winning the game once again. Unfortunately, they couldn't get that done with the Coyotes, but... I mean, they almost kind of did when you look at it. I mean, well, actually, no, they didn't. They stunk that game, but that's a one-off. They had their rookie party afterwards, so who cares? They went out and probably just tore up Scottsdale. Well, you probably just bitched on Twitter about them. I wonder how much that bill was for that rookie party. I mean, they don't really have rookies on this team this year. I mean, who, Janssen? happening kinda I don't know if you consider it I mean like in terms of getting a rookie party uh, just looking at this roster who else Gautier no one huge but they probably just I mean Austin Matthews hometown they probably tore up Scottsdale easy $50,000 bill I'm guessing I don't know I might be totally off but anyways back to this game back to the Vegas game just a little bit um Obviously, the big takeaways from this game, Vegas is penalty killing. Even though they gave up two goals, I mean, they were such a threat 
offensively. That was wild to me. But they're a good team. They're pretty pesky. They're pretty strong in the sense that they can create turnovers pretty well. Um, they hit the least 38-18. to 18, But when you look at it, and I mentioned this last episode, I mean, Colorado, they really didn't get out-hit. They, they out-hit Colorado somehow. But teams that they get heavily out-hit lately, they end up... They've won all those games. Just something really strange there. I mean, the Coyotes, it looked like they... I mean, they came out sluggish against them. They really couldn't get anything done. And if you were just here that part, oh, they got hit massively. Nope. 25 to 24 in favor of the Coyotes. One hit. But what was interesting with that one... I'll get into that in one second, though. What fell apart in that one. But, I mean... This Vegas team, this is another, they're a pesky team, and I don't know if they're going to really go on that same run they did last, that miracle run, but they're pretty well built, and they got they got some talent on that team. They can really, um, they can, I mean, maybe they can do something, I'm not going to guarantee they can do some damage, but they're an all right, they got an all right team there. And they did give, I mean, the score was 6-3, but they did give the Leafs a pretty hard time in this one. So, moving on to the most boring game I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I started watching that Sens game halfway through the, halfway through the third period, I think I started. And there was more goals in that game than what I saw. Three goals in that one, there's two total goals in this garbage fest. There was in, where was it? I think it was halfway through. There were six total shots halfway through the first period. I mean, just absolute doggy. It was on pace for the shots being 18-18 in the game. Just so dry. And I don't know what it is. I was watching the Phoenix, the Arizona broadcast, and the, the ice just seemed dimmer. I had a lot of issues with this broadcast. The ice just seemed dimmer. I don't know if it was actually was or it was the arena. Plus, their stupid jerseys. They the black. They were in black. I mean, I like those jerseys. Never mind. But I, I'm just calling them stupid because they were black and the ice was dim and it was just it was a snooze fest. I actually took a nap halfway through watching the first period. I paused it and took a nap. Whether that was because of the the game or because I was watching Big Mouth until 1 in the morning. Who knows? But, yeah, just an overall stupid, ugly game in this one. Um, I I found that the Leafs were really... And this is where their offense just was disappearing. They disappeared. The Coyotes didn't give them any time and any space. They're a really scrappy team. They lack talent, clearly, which is why they can't score. I mean... I mean, you look at Domi, you look at Strom, what those guys are doing. Strom had a, another great game tonight, so I don't know what his point total is at right now. I'll look it up, but what Strom and Domi are doing this season away from the desert is <laughs> absolutely remarkable. And now it makes me think he's 32, and I think he put up like three tonight. So, nice. How do you do? Call me a bus one more time, eh? But 
when you see what Domi and Strom are doing away from the desert right now, it just makes me look at the, the Coyotes roster and go like, who who could be a 60-point guy here? I mean, like Josh Archibald? I don't know. Anyways, if I'm a GM, I'd trade for someone on that team. Someone that's underperforming on the Coyotes. Because they're going to be a 70-point player somewhere else. Kind of ridiculous. Screw Chica. Anyways. Um, in this one, yeah, the, the Coyotes did a really good job. They played really scrappy. They stuck to the game plan. They clogged all the passing lanes. Uh, which is one thing. When you watch the, the, the Knights in the Colorado game versus this one it looked like the ice shrunk it looked like there was more guys on the ice for the coyotes and as a result the puck went absolutely nowhere they struggled at times to move it through the neutral zone they struggled to get it like past their own blue line it seemed at times um in the offensive zone there was the cycle was just non-existent it seemed all their shots were just being blocked uh which at 5-on-5, five five, they didn't have that much more. The Coyotes didn't have many more blocks than the Leafs, but it just it, I mean, sticks in the lane pretty much. That was the name of the game for the Coyotes, and it was a seemingly, I don't want to call it defensive chess match because that's not how the Leafs play, but it was, the, I mean, the, the Coyotes really just stuck to the defense wins championships model of game, and it was boring but two points is two points i guess so i wish i ripped it up in scottsdale after that game but i'm a i'm a loser now so it doesn't matter instead what did i do after that game oh yeah i drove home from downtown toronto damn it i'm gonna end up like going being that guy that goes to libraries in a couple years no offense to people that go to libraries but I don't read, so I don't know what I would do there. Anywho, rock on. Um, so yeah, those are the three games that the Leafs had there. Two, I mean, it was just night and day the difference between the first two versus that last one. I'm going to count it as a one-off, and hopefully, Jesus Cristo mio, hopefully it is, because they're running into an absolute... Just scalding hot team in the St. Louis Blues. And if you play like you did... I mean, uh, if you play like you did against the Coyotes, against pretty much any team in the NHL, you're going to lose, obviously. But the Blues right now are... That top line, Tarasenko, O'Reilly, and Shen is just on fire. Um, their goaltending's hot as shit right now. Binnington with two straight shutouts. Allen with one straight shutout. Combined three straight shutouts and like what eight wins in a row, and those three straight shutouts on the road too. So, I mean, if you, I mean, if you run around, I mean, so the Leafs, how they're gonna win this game is special teams. They gotta capitalize on that power play if they can move really fast. Because if you look at the line matching in this one, and I'm gonna pull up St. Louis's lines right now. Speed is going to be the name of the game for the Leafs. Because, yeah, looking at it, they're they're much, much faster than all three of these guys. I mean, look, Val- Vladimir Tarasenko is, like, fat as hell. Like, 1-800-Jenny-20-Pad. Um, so, yeah, if they 
pretty much they're going to have to use their speed. They're going to have to move the puck extremely quickly. They're going to have to get their legs moving. And as a result, I can see the, the Blues taking penalties. Um, and then from there, you're going to have to capitalize. On, you're going to have to... You're going to have to score on the pen, on the power play. And that's how you're going to win. Plain and simple. I mean, it's a lot harder than what I've named it out to be, but... Yeah. Um, in terms of goaltending, I mean, as I've said, goaltending is a an absolute roller coaster ride. So I don't know what what's gonna happen with that in between the nets for the Blues. I don't even know who's gonna be starting. Probably Bennington. I'm gonna guess. I put my money on him. But yeah, the Leafs are a much speedier team than the Blues. The Blues are probably gonna play a lot heavier though. They're gonna be throwing the body. I mean. Uh, so that's how they're gonna pretty much counter the least speed. But if the least stick to their game plan, if they move the puck, if they keep move, if their feet moving the entire game, it'll be it'll go their way, and it'll and it's gonna pretty much what happened in Colorado and in Vegas is going to repeat. So yeah. Two ugly, in, in, so to recap, two ugly games, two, my my God, I gotta go to bed. Uh, two awesome games in the Colorado uh, Vegas ones. The power play, I wouldn't call it fixed right now. I would like to see it a little bit of a bigger sample size, but look, finally we got to see a couple power play goals. Um, that Coyotes game, I'll name it as a one-off right now because of the performances that they'd put up immediately before that. Uh, and then St. Louis, it's going to be a, an extremely tough task, and it's going to be a very good game. But I think the Leafs' speed could really outmatch this team and put their eight-game winning streak to an absolute halt. So, yeah, to close out this podcast, we're gonna I'm going to air out some grievances. But when I say we, I mean the, the sleeping cat that's right beside me. She's probably got a lot of a lot to complain about me. Oh, well, she's fat. Who cares? Um, my number one, I, I got a notification from Waze about some stupid Arkells concert. If they, I mean, the Arkells need to stop. They're not a good band. They made Knocking at the Door, what, 20 years ago? And you can still hear it like it's brand new right now. I mean, especially in the hockey community. That, I mean, that, that stuff needs to stop. Just because they're from Canada doesn't mean I have to listen to them. Absolute garbage. I, mean, I will be deleting ways after getting that stupid notification about the flipping Arkells. Arkells need to chill. Put out some good music. Like, like how Migos does. That's real music. Talk about things that are relevant to everyday, everyone's life. Like... Spending all your money on jewelry and having intercourse with um, copious amounts of women. God, nobody even knows what you're saying. So, ways you're out. I'd rather I'd rather use Apple Maps after this experience. And Apple Maps doesn't even bring you to the right place half the time. But ways ways is out. Um, my next one, social media challenges. Now, 
the Headstrong Foundation, what they did, and the reach that they've had is fantastic. And I'm not belittling what they do. I'm kind of belittling the people that took part in this challenge. Did anyone donate? Wasn't that the point of this? You get nominated or you donate. If you didn't donate, then you're a scumbag. Like, I didn't get nominated because I'm a loser. But, and after this rant, I'm going to have to donate something. Or else, that's just shitty of me. But, anywho, we need real social media challenges. Like, show me your bank statements. Put your credit card in your Insta story. And the th- including the three digits on the back. Enough of this, oh yeah, social media, the headstrong challenge. It's not a challenge to post you playing hockey, whatever. Just do that for whatever. Oh, look how hot I am. So challenge. Oh, the 10 year challenge. Oh, look how much I've grown. No. Show us how much money you have and then give us some money. That's a real challenge. Um, I'm sure I have a lot more to air out in terms of grievances I mean my driveway was frozen today that sucked but I'm just gonna cut it off at that that's all I had written down it was probably all worth mentioning um to close out this episode a little Austin Matthews appreciation shout out um I'm still saying my top moment with him is that four goal game because the least before that were just absolute trash and that whole summer it was all about what's to come what's to come what's to come and that first game coming back and you see our future just flash before our eyes with number 34 poppy putting up a four spot on the senators i mean that that was awesome so and after that 100th goal and after that contract signing it just made me wonder what's paul martyr thinking right now What's he saying to his buddies? What's he going to say in the media next, please? I would love... I would love for Paul Martin to be the next LeVar Ball. That would be that would be so awesome. I'm not going to lie. He comes out with a small, ball, small pucker brand. Something stupid like that. I would just love to see that. I would be Brett Gretzky one-on-one. Yeah, that's what we need. So, Paul Marner, waiting on you, bud. What do you think about this Matthews stuff? How much is your son going to sign for in the summer? Anywho, have a, uh, have a Tuesday.